What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of That's the Angle. And this time, it's an interview with a great designer and also a good friend, Chris of Chris Cardi. Uh, Chris uh, has been a friend of mine for a few years, and I've been trying to get him on the podcast. But finally, I got him on because he is setting up a whole bunch of events for H Street Festival in Washington, D.C. And to be honest, I've never seen someone so passionate about a block in their city in my life. But at the same time, you know, he's really putting love and energy into it and just putting it on the map. It's like a weird section of D.C. that's kind of inconvenient to get to because there's no like metro or anything really to it. But (laughs) you'll find out in the interview. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. And especially the banter in the beginning, talking about our crazy weekend um, where our friend took a crazy spill on his bike. Yeah, it's a fun story. But anyways, guys, I hope you have been enjoying these interviews. I got plenty more coming but before that happens i think i'm gonna be doing seasons of the show where um i line up a bunch of interviews ahead of time because the way i'm doing it now i kind of just like it's like a week by week basis and it's getting really tough to do that so i'm probably gonna separate it into seasons in like certain episodes i don't know yet but i need a better structure to deliver and get guests um regularly and all the time but that being said Please enjoy the interview and leave a comment or a rating or any of that stuff um, um, below. So anyways, guys, enjoy. Peace. Welcome back to That's the Angle. Today, I am joined with Chris Cardi. What up? AKA the ambassador of Age Street, AKA the best stash you will see. I appreciate that. I don't know if it's the best one. That's what I've seen in a while. I've seen some impressive ones out there, specifically in Northeast. I think it's a Northeast thing. Really? And was that oh, Curly yeah. Stashes? 8th Street Corridor, Trinidad, Capitol Hill area. If it's happening in 8th Street, I'm going to give you all the credit. I'm going to tell, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Um, it's real short, though. It's actually probably not all that funny. It's, it's cool. Just we got more, time. Let's hear it. It's more coincidental than funny. But um, it was around that time that they, the city decided to let the circulator just be free. What's the circulator? Oh shit, Bruce! For oh, real? oh, that 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 bus, that train yes. thing. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, red and yellow bus. Okay. And um, for me, commuting between one end of the city to the other, taking the streetcar up to Union Station, hopping on the circulator, and then taking that to Georgetown. One day, I got on the streetcar. There was another dude on there, brother. He had on sweats. He had a mean stash. Like his shit was like out here, like beyond his face. And I had mine and then I had to, you know, cats with handlebar mustaches, you gonna nod and acknowledge one another. It was one of those like respect things, like it was a respect you dude. It was a respect thing, but it was also like let me put oh, my shit away. Oh, because his shit was like I way more put, curly. Let me, let me put my shit up. He had the strength on the stash. Yeah, his shit was like that emoji. Oh damn! Wait, so yeah. his shit had like just more of a curl, or just like overall, it was like a it long, was just it was like a long fuller. Horn? It was more hair, and it went beyond his face frame. Like wider than his ears? Not wider than his ears, okay, but it but went beyond like, his fucking jawline. Yeah, cheeks, goddamn whatever. stash. Yeah, he must have been Hispanic, and dude. Nah, I don't know. I thought it was a brother. Oh, okay, his brother. Okay, I missed that part. Yeah, and then. I get off of the streetcar and then I hop onto the bus. I shit you not, same day within 30 minutes, I get on the bus and it's a white dude with the shit that, you know. The comb over? 
Nah, it wasn't a comb over. His shit was just up there and it like a wave. Okay. And, then he, like and I was I was like, I, I don't I don't care. I admire people's style. I always I get ideas from seeing how just everyday people dress. So I was like, he got shit. You know what I'm saying? And then he turned around and he had one too. <laughs> and I was like, oh y'all killing me today. I was like, I was like, and then I said something, I was like, man, I was like. That's impressive. He's like, I like yours too, man. I was like, yeah, you just saying that. I might go home and just shave my shit off. God damn, you're getting mustache punks for like oh, a whole man. ride, dude. Getting muscled. It's it's like when you get a car and then you realize everyone like you realize all the other cars. I guess like stash is that thing. It's it's kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? You what was what was that Jay Z lyric? He said something like, "You pull up in the 4.0 with your chick." Then I pull up in my 4.5 with my chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How, you, do you get that like compliments from dudes on your stash? Yeah. Right? You ever notice yeah. that? I remember I had a curly mustache once too. I remember I was like, did you? Mad, mad dudes were complimenting me. I was like, it's kind of weird. Like, How many free drinks did you get? From dudes? Just at bars in general. I don't know. I don't think that many. I, I don't think I went out that much at that point in my life either. Okay. You were flexing it right. I was living in like suburban Woodbridge, Virginia. Okay. So I wasn't like in the city like I am now. But you oh. get you get a lot of free drinks? I get comp- I don't ask for them. They just like. They, off the strength of the stash? Because you start talking and people like it and they're like, yo, how let, long did it take to grow you? And you get a conversation and they're like, oh, let me, this drink's on me. And then it's just like. That's fire. Off the yeah, strength man. Of the st- so how to pick up dudes? You just like no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you just grow a stash. <laughs> but no, um, it's a wild thing, man. Dude, it's wild. You know what else is I, wild? What's that? We need to talk about the other weekend. Yes. We need we need to talk about before we get into this. We need to talk yes. about that shit because I have many questions. Yes. About that week, where do we even start? I don't know. I thought we lost somebody that night. <laughs> Dude, that was wild. It was a man down. Oh, okay. Let me let me let me let me tell this story. So we go to a art house in the north part of town in this area called Tacoma. Do you remember the name of it? I would like to get them a shout out. Rhizome. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's yeah, called yeah, it's yeah. called Rhizome. And essentially it's someone's house where I don't think anyone lives, but there's just art everywhere. It almost feels like a frat house or like a college house where like it's like just dirty enough. Yeah, but it's a frat house for artists, right? So it's much different, cause like it's a frat house for girls a with frat hairy armpits. Probably wouldn't let those people in. Facts. It was like the anti <laughs> you know I mean? frat house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like a Stranger Things frat house. I don't even know if I can say that because I've never seen Stranger Things. But anyway. Yeah, I know. Well, I've seen it, but there is no frat. It's a bunch of little kids. Okay. But anyways, in the house, right? Little art exhibition upstairs. Mosquitoes chilling out back. I think I think the most interesting part it was the performance. Yes. Where the where the, uh, are the performances? The performances. The the ladies did their thing with the chants. Got everybody else involved. I wasn't sure what to expect. It was an interactive performance where she uh, hung found objects that she created into objects, and you had to. One person was a transceiver, or what? One person was a receiver, and someone was like a transceiver, right? Yes. And you had to like do like a bridge like thing with your hands. You did. And then you just start yelling. You start yelling. But it was the one dude with the thing and the stool, and he was getting it. Oh, yeah. He kind of rocked he, it. Because he helped get everybody in the rhythm. Because at first, it was a little like, you know, 
Yeah, it was. How a, white it, was a do, do. it was. It was a. Do, <laughs> it was a dude with dread sitting in the corner, and he. I swear to God, he had like a, a metal spoon from yes. the kitchen, and he's just like doing this beat on this on like the metal chair. Yeah, and it was just wow. He carried the whole thing. He brought it in, and, and people, I think that one lady with the hat and the red dress, I think she turned you on a little bit. Yo, that old lady had that fat ass. <laughs> straight up, I'm just gonna say it. I caught you looking. So I pointed it out to you. Put, yeah, and I told you I was like, you can't handle that. You ain't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this lady had like in her 50s or 60s, and I remember like when we walked in, that was the only thing I saw was just like this lady registering this big old butt. And, oh, I, and I, I remember, I remember, I, I like tapped you. I was like, Chris, I was like, I was like, yo, look at that donk. And you were like, you looked back at me you're... dead ass, and you were like, you can't handle that. <laughs> Like, you gotta like, leave that one alone. Like, like, like she's she's seen some stuff that just my 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 mm. young mind just wouldn't be mm. able to handle. She would break you. Ah, probably. You know, I, I don't know if I could handle a woman like that. But that was not the most interesting part. No. Of, of that night of performances. The violinist came in. Yeah. I actually I don't know if you saw that, but I actually shed a few tears when she was playing. Really. Yeah, because that shit was wild, dude. Like, good music will do that to me, especially live music. It will do that to me. I mean, I'm beyond that point where I don't, I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a cry. I probably get a good crying like two times a month, mm-hmm. and it's mostly because of music. Like, mm-hmm. good music will do that. And then that live performance, and it was just something about her and her story and the whole thing. But I mean, how often do you see a violinist played live like that? Uh, that up close and personal And she was good And she was good And she was A little tipsy As well Well it was wild Because she had nothing to do With that whole event nah, but she, she She heard the chanting That we were talking about previous And she just sort of walked in At the end up. of it yeah. And she, I remember she turns to me And she goes She says excuse me So she's like And it's like this old uh, Black lady Maybe like 60s or 70s Yeah And uh, And she turns to me She goes Are people performing And I'm like yeah, are you going to perform? I see you have your violin. And she was like, yeah, can I perform? I was like, yeah, sure. She's like, can you get me some wine? And I was like, you got it, ma'am. Went and got her some red wine with ice in it. And then she, she, she started thing, playing man. and like the place just fell silent. She did her thing. It was wild. And um, I don't know. I just, it was a moving experience and I appreciated it up until she started inviting people back to her place. <laughs> She's, I was like, mm. and our other friend was, he was like, yeah, let's go over, guys. She has got wine. We'll go. Someone play piano and she's in a jam. I was like, I was like, no, nah, guys, we should probably just get on with her yeah, night. Yeah, not into that. But dude, I do want to say there is something about hearing classical instruments live that you can't replicate on any sort of recording or anything, especially in such an intimate environment. And I think there's so much emotion involved with it too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just anything. I don't like. I mean, it's string, so it would be considered acoustic. What's the appropriate definition for acoustic? Well, ac- acoustic it's, is just anything that's that's not electric. Yeah. So. So yeah, strings in the wood and there's shit, vibrations. Right. Yeah. Acoustic. Yeah, yeah you're right. Acoustic. I mean, you don't call a violin acoustic because a violin is just always acoustic. But there are electric violins, so I guess. Fair. But you you get we know what we're Fair. talking about. Well, yes. Yeah. That shit was moving. It was. It was up until, like I said, there was, was one, dude. There was one time in college, so I went to school for music, and I randomly caught a performance from a master violinist. Like it was like that close. I was, but it was like a really small auditorium, and it was that close. And it was a master violinist and this master pianist. And dude, when I, like, I can't describe to you the feeling that I felt in that small little auditorium, but. 
when they ended a song, like you couldn't breathe until they because you their, were holding on. Like, like every, you couldn't every, breathe yeah. until they put the instrument down, and you're like, oh, thank. Because that's how I was when the lady was playing. Yeah. It was like you're you're like holding on to every, I guess, every note mm-hmm. or whatever, and I'm just like, ooh, ooh. just little, the timbre of little. the string. Mm. Can we talk about the rest of that night though? Yeah, because um, Dewdrop, the ride to Dewdrop, the ride to Dewdrop was epic. That was really epic. I mean, you were like, I remember, I remember we were riding there. And so me and Henry were on the electric jump bikes, yeah. which is a bicycle with like an electric motor. You were on your actual bicycle and we're somehow keeping up with us. I don't know how the fuck you did that. Right. You got some strong legs, my friend. And then whatchamacallit, is it, is it Miles? Yeah, Miles. Miles was on the Revel. Yeah, the, the Revel scooters, the yeah. new electric Revel scooters. Yeah. And we rode like maybe like three miles. Nah, it was about, f- yeah, it was about, it was close to four. Yeah, it was a lot. We rode pretty far. And the dark. In the dark, we let Henry lead. We let Henry lead, <laughs> and then suddenly, and then we go. We're going down a hill, and everyone starts like doing like angel and Jesus poses. Henry like got on his evil Knievel shit. Yep, and he just eats shit. <laughs> and the funny thing is, all of us were capturing footage of the bike ride, except that one moment. Nobody had their phone out because we were going downhill. Yeah. There is no way I was pulling my phone out during that. And the, I counted at least three bounces. Oh, I almost ate it a couple times, too. No, I mean, I counted him bouncing three times from when he hit the ground. Oh, when he... Yeah. I only saw just, like, one, one smooth slide of skin across the pavement. Mm, yeah. That shit looked rough. Yeah, see, the thing... Here's why I have mad respect for Henry, because for me, I'd have called it a night. <laughs> That'd have been it for me. Yeah. He kept going. <laughs> he kept going. He he got the dew drop. He didn't want no band-aids, no nothing. But um I'd I'd have called it a night on y'all, man. But um Well That was a good time. Yeah, his whole arm was all scabbed up and I saw I saw him the next day. He he was like, I'm so sore. Like his whole side was sore. Yeah. And I'm sure like I was telling him that night, I was like, yo, that's the that's the sort of scab that rises. Like you get oh, a nice, yeah. a nice mountain, He's mountain scar. scab. That's a, that's a scar for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's a good scar though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, y'all dudes are wild on bikes, man. Yeah, dude, the jump bikes are the wave. He got me onto that, dude. It's my favorite way to get around town, especially if you're drunk. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> what do you mean, dude? Y'all, uh, it is I, so fun. It is. It is probably the most fun way to get around a city. Is an electric bicycle. Like when you have just a couple drinks or you smoke something, like it, they, it just gonna, feels good. They're gonna start cracking down on that shit. Watch, dude. If they do, I'm so screwed, dude. Cause that shit's fun. That's like that's like my Uber at night when I when I'm anywhere in the city. But anyways, Chris, I fucking love the shirt you gave me. Ah, right, you welcome, man. It says I love H Street <clears throat> Northeast. Yes, yes. It's part of the capsule collection that we put out. Um, and honor of the neighborhood and honor of 8th Street. I mean, I, lo- I love it over there, and it's just been something I've been doing for the last three years or so. And it just kind of came about because nobody else was doing it. I, uh, I feel like a lot of people feel the same way I feel about 8th Street. Um, I've been over there since, like, 2012. And all the places that I would pop into, whether it was a restaurant or a bar or whatever or... It wasn't very much retail over there at the point, mm-hmm. but nobody had anything that was repping 8th Street, not a hat, not a T-shirt. 
And with me being a designer, I was like, well, instead of complaining about it, um, why don't I just make it? So I, I did a capsule collection um, one summer. You were complaining that no one was repping H Street? Not that nobody was repping. I think there was a lot of people over there that felt the same way I felt about it. But mm. there was nothing to unify those emotions. There was nothing ah, to kind of capture that. You know, like how people, like, for instance, I'm not saying H Street is is Brooklyn, but for instance, you can buy a Brooklyn T-shirt in Tokyo. Nah, but H Street's a little weird of a street because... It's not really connected to things like everything else is in DC. Like it's one of the few areas that doesn't have like a definitive metro going into the heart of it, which so it kind of ostracizes it in this sort of like well, island by itself. All right, and and it's funny. It's funny that you say that, right? Yeah. Because that's kind of the that was kind of the objective of the capsule collection as well. Is mm. because for such a long time that area of the city I feel was like neglected. You know what I'm saying? Or not really thought of. Or it's very much DC, but a lot of people didn't think of it as being like DC. You know what I'm saying? There's probably like some history there of why H Street has kind of been neglected in a and way. It's, there is. There is. There's a lot of history about it. Um, after, after MLK was assassinated, the riots happened. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, there was, uh, there was white flight into the suburbs. What does that mean? White flight is kind of... It's, it's like the opposite of gentrification when white people leave the city. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and that was after the riots. No, 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 no. That was before. That was before the riots. Um, mm. But actually, A Street was kind of a a, a, um, a melting pot uh, in terms of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and different cultures living in in one area. It was very vibrant. Um, and I think a lot of that history was lost after those riots and after that stuff got burnt down. And, and I think this whole revitalization that's going on, whether you want to call it gentrification, which that is happening, but there's, a, there's, there's, there's negatives and there's positives to it all. Um, but I think when I moved over there, like my brother had lived in D.C., man, for probably a decade before I moved here. Oh, wow. And then when I moved here, he was on his way moving to Seattle. And when I told him where I found a place, he was like, nah, don't move over there. And I was like, what you talking about? <laughs> He's like, you don't want to live over there. This is like summer of 2012. I was like, I already signed my lease. I was like, I love it over there. Because to me, it felt, it felt like home. It reminded me a bit of the area that I grew up in in Miami. It reminded me of the bit of the, air, uh, of the, of the area that I lived in Miami as well after college. And um, I just, there was a certain energy, a certain vibe that I felt, um, a certain grit, a certain authenticity about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I felt like even though there was um, a lot of dilapidated buildings and abandoned storefronts and things like that, there was still a vibe about it. And everyone that I met over there Oozed that, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a there was a a realness about the people that I met there. There was they were genuine, they were authentic. Um, the 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 things that we talked about, the things that we shared over, you know. But is that not for the rest of DC, or you just kind of felt that just in H Street? I I felt I have a love for DC in general. 
um, just visiting my father here. He's, my father's been in the area for close to 30 years now, so I used to come up here quite a bit as a kid. But I grew up in Miami. Um, but I always longed for the chance to move here, so when I had the opportunity, I did. Um, but it took me, when I first moved here, the company that I was working for, they put me up in a hotel, gave me an opportunity to like find exactly where I wanted to live. That's cool. I took as much time as possible. It took me like three months to find exactly where I wanted to live. That's a decent amount of time in a city before you make a choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a budget. And I was like, this is what I'm willing to pay. This is the sort of lifestyle that I want to have. Um, and for some reason, that area just kept calling. I kept looking at properties that were over there. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason why my budget worked out and I ended up going over there was because nobody, anyone who was moving to the city, somebody who was a transplant to the city, you don't move there. didn't want to move over there. You know what I mean? Like, you want to go to Northwest, you know, where? Yeah, if, if you're moving to D.C., you're not moving to, to A Street. That is because you look not, at it. Not in, not, at, in, not in 2011, not in 2012, not in 2013. You yeah. weren't, not. Nah. Yeah, so maybe now it's like a little bit now, more. Now, like, yeah, shit. Now it's like, oh, it's probably the last place in D.C. You can get a bang for your buck and still have yeah. a bunch of culture around you. But maybe then it was a whole different story. Oh, yeah, it was, it was very much a whole different story. And it was also one of those things where it was like pulling teeth to, to get your friends to come hang out with you. You know what I'm saying? It is kind of like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not so much like that anymore. Um, but I remember, I mean, it was the same deal when I was in Miami and I, was, I, and I moved back and, uh, and I was living in, in um, they, I was living just east of, of, of Wynwood on Biscayne Bay. Mm-hmm. And this was like, this was like before LeBron came to Miami. Mm. You know what I'm saying? This Miami was, pre and post LeBron? Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, cities have, like, when you have a transcendent player like that, um, a once-in-a-generation a once type player. Yeah, for sure. That has an impact, especially, it has an impact socially, economically, um, politically, uh, it, just, it, it can change the landscape of a whole community. I think... One of the first examples of that was like Michael Jordan when he had went on his run in Chicago. Mm, it kind of like unifies a place in a sense. It gives it, you like something it, to rally behind. It does, like, and then it, like way. look how many people. I mean, I was living in Miami when all the Jordan stuff was happening. You know how many people in Miami were wearing Chicago Bull stuff? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And, and the same deal. Like look how many people bear, uh, wear LeBron stuff, but he had a whole. They could not, they overdeveloped downtown um, Miami at that time. Like, they were pouring money, investors were buying property, and, and, and developers were buying property, and they were throwing up all these luxury high-rise condos. <clears throat> then they couldn't sell them. Oh. Nobody was buying them. Nobody was buying them. Me and my college buddy, we were living in a penthouse on Biscayne Boulevard for $2,000 a month. I was paying a thousand, he was paying a thousand. Our bad. friends thought we were selling drugs. Wow. But you couldn't, they, they were trying to sell these units, but they couldn't sell them, so they had to end up yeah, going you, to the you, rental you gotta, market. You gotta, you gotta get gotta, some you money. You make you some can't money. just have stuff We had there. like zero furniture in that bitch, but. But you were living like kings. Oh my God, wraparound balcony overlooking um, the Port of Miami, overlooking South Beach, overlooking downtown. It was amazing. So you grew up your whole life until 
until you moved out, until you graduated college and then you left and came to DC? No, so uh, I'm a Navy brat. So I was born, I was born in the Philippines, but I only spent like a year there. My dad was in the service. Oh, I was an army right. I, was, I was born in Germany. Okay, right on, so, so you understand. Yeah. When someone says, where are you born? And you're like, yeah. oh, well, I was born in. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets complicated. It is, you, know? like, you gotta explain it. Yeah, and then you always have to kinda, I guess you kinda gotta pick a place. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, where are you from? We're like, well, I was born in, yeah, in the Philippines, yeah, but I grew up in Miami, so it's like, what do I? But I think, I think at our age, we have to learn to appreciate having those experiences because it shapes yeah. us. I, I would, I would. There's, there's pros and cons. I think it's dope for somebody who's like, grew up in a place, and and kind of like that's their roots. But I also think it's something dope. To have a story about, like, I lived here as a kid, I lived here as a kid, I lived here as a kid, and I lived here as a kid. There's a certain sort of resiliency that you have when you have to move around like that, and you have to experience these different things. Um, it opens your idea, it opens your mind to other people's way of life. You, do, you definitely get a lot of perspective, you know I mean? which, yeah. I, which, which I think when you only grew up in one city, mm -hmm. you lose a lot of general perspective of how other people are living or what other cities or other states are like. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, also, there was a, a, <clears throat> there was a lot of interracial relationships in my family. So, What's I your mean, city? I'm half black and half Filipino. My, oh, mother's, really? my mother's Filipino, my dad's black. So that makes uh -huh. me Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> you're one of us, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. I can't no, but tell. I get, you're, you're so ambiguous. I really can't tell. If you were like on black, like I believe you. If you were like um, Dominican, I believe you. Like, yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. So it's wild. Um, a lot of people think I'm Hispanic till they hear me speak, and they're like, no, <laughs> he's not Hispanic. <laughs> I always assumed you were mixed. Yeah, I mean, well, you were right. Well, you know, you know why I always assumed you're mixed, like white and black, was because. You have so much damn pride for a street in D.C. that could only make sense that you were from D.C. and like you grew up in D.C. or you grew up on H Street to care that much because I don't know anyone I, else who cares as much. I get that. I get I, that question. I get that question all the time, I mean, especially I mean, yeah, around yeah. this time of year. Mm -hmm. uh, people ask me, "Are you are you from D.C.?" or they thought I was from D.C. and I'm not, I'm not. But like I said, I'm not. There's something about that area, and I, I told my mom this when I when I moved here. I was like, it's something, and something about this neighborhood, it's something about this area that I feel like I should have been here all my life. Wow. Like it feels, it just feels like home to me. It's it's the only place, it's the longest place I've ever lived as an adult. I'm going on eight years now. That's it's the time. first place I moved to in DC. It's the only place I've lived. So, and it's, it's where I've had, uh, it's where I had my, um, like, creative emergence as a, as a designer, as a creative. Like, I've never been this creative in my, I've always been creative, but never to this level, especially to the point where I'm able to manage it in a sense of being something that's economically viable and, and building a platform. It's one thing to be creative. It's another thing to be able to be creative and and then have a a, a platform. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's interesting because I've known you for maybe 
two or three years now, yeah. or at least known of you. Right. But as soon as I knew of you, I contacted you. I DM'd you. I was like, yo, I'm having this event. I want you to come through. Yeah. Because I and saw And I pulled you. up. Yeah, and you did. And I was like, holy shit, this guy actually pulled up and you're yeah. cool as hell. I still yeah. remember that picture. I, that was dope. I pulled but, up. But um, yeah. I was like, you struck me as one of the few fashion forward people. Like, I was like, oh, this guy's like a. a this Chris Cardi, weird ass mustache. No, is he not? I was like, I was like, this dude looks tight, but I was like, he he's designing bags, like, and, and it's a dude doing it. I'm like, this is so not the Norman DC. He's yeah. like, I gotta meet this guy. Yeah, but but since I appreciate that. Yeah, but, but since then, even 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 that, like, I don't think the whole H Street Festival, all this, all like the merch you do behind it, all that, even existed then. No, this this all came about in in 2017. Yeah. Um, funny story though, the first year I moved here. In 2012, I caught the last 30 minutes of H Street Festival. My buddy Fred, who's from Miami as well, but he's been living in the area for like, psh, man, like maybe 14 years now. Mm-hmm. We had went out the night before, and I mean, got shit faced, got wrecked. And then he hit me up, and he was like, yo, yo, you at the festival? I was like, what festival? He was like, H Street Festival. It was like six blocks from, from you. I was like, it's a festival? And I mean, this was like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm dragging, bro. Yeah, I'm right. dragging. And he starts sending photos and stuff. So I was like, oh, I got to pull up. And I caught it. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. I was like, I was already, that short time that I was there, I was already in love with it because I moved, I moved over there to the area. But then I was like, damn, I, f- I was butt hurt for like a year that I missed that festival. And I was like, I can't <laughs> wait for the next one. I'm going, I'm going ham. And I did. And the funny thing is, I think, um, I think it might have been 2014, I set up shop with my bags at the festival. My buddy Rob, who you did a, uh, a podcast with, he, he's an artist, as you know. But for those of you watching, he's an artist as well. And um, cool ass dude. And he was like, yo. I'm setting up on 8th Street Yeah, that dude sucks, For the festival <laughs> That dude's just fucking annoying No, he's sitting right behind me I'm just kidding Rob, Rob's tight as shit yeah, yeah. He's, he's actually in the same room as us right now just so But um, again, in terms of just meeting people that are genuine and authentic Like there was, there was nothing in it for Rob other than he was like Yo, I got space, you should come set up with me Oh, nice And that was, that's just love And I, I asked him, I was like I was like, what do you want? He was like, if anything, go half, but it's like, whatever, just come set up. He, there's no strings attached. He just said, come set up. And I got to set up. And I mean, you know how many people come to that festival, so yeah. I was able to build more brand recognition off of that. You know what I'm saying? You can't, I mean, you can buy that sort of thing, but I didn't have that type of money. Was that do. like the first time you were kind of putting your product out there? Was yeah. That? Yeah, I mean, in terms of to that degree, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, and I, I mean, I, obviously thank him for that now because it, it was dope it was great exposure for me it was great for people to kind of find out more about my brand instead of seeing it just like on the gram or, or mm. seeing it online it's because it's, you know to see what I do to see it in person you get a much better appreciation for what it is I'm doing because a lot of people think I design it and then I send it off to get manufactured but that's not the case I make it right here in DC. Those bags are made with these two hands. That's and I wild think it, to me. I think it blows people's mind. You know, it blows my mind. That's why I was like, this guy makes bags. Like that's so random for someone yeah. to be doing. I was like, I, I don't even know where to, where you even start with that. I can't even fix a zipper when it gets fucked up. So I was like, I'm like yeah, I don't even know how this guy's doing it. It was all based. It was all based off of just lifestyle necessity. A lot of the things that I design, or pretty much all of the things I design, are based off how I live my life. 
and without functionality. I mean, mm. functionality comes first. I, it's all about functionality, and then it's the aesthetic. Um, and prior to getting it to that point, it's like, how can I make something that is of great quality, but also bring it to market at a price point that is relatively accessible? Yeah, it's hard you know? when you make it with your own hands, too. It is. It is, because it's like... Because it's time. It is time. And honestly, anybody who bought those bags between like 2013 and, and 2018 before the price went up, got a bargain. Really? Like, I mean, got a bargain. Because you just think we, you weren't pricing them right or something? No, nah, like, they, were, they, they, were they were getting those bags for under $100. What? I was just trying to get my name out there, man. You know how you do when you're trying to... Yeah, I've shot for free plenty of times. So. Yeah, you, I mean, but now we're not taking no shorts. Well, I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> I don't blame you now. It's like full-fledged. It's mature, yeah. you know? It's, yeah. it's a whole different beast. And it's, you know, and that's just, but that's just how it is when you're on that grind and you're trying to build and, you, and you're trying to come How'd you up. get into even making bags? Like, what made you want to make a bag? I went to, I went to design school. So... Um, oh, wow. I, well, I went to Florida State University, but at mm -hmm. the time that I was there, they had a design program. The only reason why I went to college was because my brother went to college. Mm -hmm. So I had to go. There was no, you, there was nothing else to do. You had to go to college. Yeah. Um, like, my dad and my mom, both in their family, first generation to go to college. Mm -hmm. So, and then my brother, of course, like, that's my role model, but damn, he made it tough for me, man. Like he he gets masses or something like that. Nah, he, well, he does wild shit. Like gets accepted to the University of Michigan. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like the older brother that act, that act, that's an overachiever. So as a yeah, younger brother, you're yeah. sitting there like, God damn. yeah. So it's like the bar is set high. But I tell him I used to I used to be angry about him about that shit when I was younger. But I have much better appreciation about it now, especially. Uh, especially being a black man, you know what I'm saying? Like, my brother wasn't the type to lead more so by words. Mm -hmm. It was by action. He's mm -hmm. like, like, watch how I move. Watch what I do. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, and and I look back on all that stuff, and, and I like, I get it now. I get it now. I see what he was doing. He's like, this is how you do it. This how much older than you is he? He's only got me by two years. And is he? Is it your only other sibling? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Only blood sibling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because so. that's that's a close enough gap where it's super influential. Two years, like you're, yeah. you can still have a lot of similar conversations until yeah, a certain but, point. But when you're when you're like seventeen, or when you're like thirteen, and your brother's fifteen, and he's doing this, and then everybody's looking at you like, well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know, like those years between like thirteen and. And like when you graduate college, if you got an older brother that's just nailing it, everybody's like, so what do you got planned? What's next for you? So there was always that pressure there. And I don't think he was doing it to like slight me. It was just like, yo, follow my lead. Mm. This is how you do things. And now I have a better appreciation. I told him, I mean, it's been at least 10 years since I told him that. I was like, yo, it's probably been more than that. But. It's like, I get it now. It all makes sense, man. Like, you were just... You know what's really interesting, setting the example. If you look at, like, a lot of professional athletes and people who, 
have achieved things, but especially sports, a lot of them are younger brothers. Like mm-hmm. there's like some weird thing that I was hearing the other day where it's like, it's, makes a, sense it's, like it's like little brother decision where like you try harder to be better. Yeah. And, and because of that, you actually end up being better. Yeah. It's like this weird sort of complex. It's probably like that with boxers of, too. Maybe. I you don't know. know. Get, probably, always getting oh, beat up or something. Yeah. And they yeah. want to learn how to fight or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But you know who it sucks for though? Who? Just the other, I guess, scenario dynamic is like really successful fathers. <laughs> Oh, and then yeah. son, I feel like sons fall like tend to fall a lot short. Yeah, that's hard. You know what I mean, like, if it's like a really famous person. Yeah, I can imagine. What do you think the odds are that LeBron's son will be better than him? There's no chance because LeBron's like a <laughs> one in a billion dudes. Like just his son's hooping though. <sighs> but you never know. He could be great too. But the thing is, it's like. Steph <sighs> is better than his dad. Hell, it's always interesting. Curry. That the, it's interesting that the kid always gets into what. Like the the dad or the the important parent does. Well, I think if you if you have a good role model as a father, why wouldn't you want to do what they were doing? That's true. It seems you know it seems cool to you. It seems like yeah. everything. Yeah, like why wouldn't you want? Now, if you got a shithead father, mm-hmm. like then you probably don't want to do anything. To do yeah, like, I don't want to play basketball. Yeah, yeah. so. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough sense, act to though. follow. But what, what were you saying about you went to design school? When you say design school, is it like you went to design school to like? study fashion design or is a design school just I'm um, artistic alright so like I said I went to college just cause my brother went to college I had no idea what I wanted to study I thought I don't know why I thought this I thought I was gonna be a professional athlete but then I we, got we all thought that once yeah bro. but I got one too many concussions Ooh, football? and then I was like yeah and I was like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good I'm good but then it was just like uh, I had the grades I could get into college I couldn't do I just didn't know where to go, what I wanted to do. I just, you know, I was, I was like. It's like college seems like a good idea. No, nah, I was just like, yo, can we just kick it and hang out and holla at girls and go to the block parties and. Sounds like college. Nah, but I wanted to do this back home in Miami. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, like, uh. like, let's just do that. But parents weren't having any of that, so. I ended up going to Florida State. I got accepted to Florida State. I actually got, I actually got a partial scholarship wow. to play football at University of Kentucky. Oh, wow. But I didn't want to play football anymore because my, my brain, like, that, I've, that CTE shit is real. What position were you playing? I was playing corner as well as defensive. Now, I played a lot of positions in the secondary, but I, I played, shout out to Miami Southridge, they came up here and got trashed like two weeks ago, though, so that was sad. But when I was playing there, I mean, this was a this was a, a high school known for just churning out like blue chip. Oh, one of those co- high schools yeah, where yeah. like a so, lot of a lot of people come yeah, out go to the league or yeah. colleges. So for me to even be able to actually play in a game was like a big deal. Oh wow! Yeah, so I I played in every game my senior year. I didn't start. But I played, you know what I'm saying? And I think that was a huge accomplishment. So it was one of those things where, like, if you went to that school and you got on the field, you could go and play college football. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you were playing against other top-level competition. I mean, these were, these were high schools that were churning out professional players. Like, they, they were, like, the pipeline to yeah, the just, university. Yeah, just the culture to, around football. Yeah. In, in, some, in some places I know is just insane. Like, Kentucky, you go to, like, yeah. a lot of Midwest states. It's crazy football, yeah, just cultures and everything like yeah. that. But 
Damn, not we got way off topic by what you asked me, but anyway. I know it doesn't matter. Here, I'll, how, I'll, 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 I'll circle. I can yeah. circle it back. Oh, I, I kind of picked back? up. Yeah, I kind of picked up where we're at. But anyway, I got my um, I got my bell rung a lot. Um, playing college, I mean playing high school football, because I ended up playing football as an outlet. I had like anger management issues as a kid, mm. so they put me in the football. So in football, <laughs> go bash your head into someone else's. No, throat. yeah, like I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed that. I really, I was like, run as fast as I can into somebody and and see who's who's still standing. Like I enjoyed blowing people up, but in that process, you also get blowed up. Yeah, it rattles your you brain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I um, there was a game against a rival high school, Killian, and um, they sent Benny, who was like this. He's like this legendary kid from our area that one played running kids. back. Yeah, one of those kids. Just a phenomenal phenom. they sent him from the other side of the field to come clean my clock because I was one of those guys on the kickoff team that would just run down and blow people up. Oh, like you were known as like that kid who would just hit the shit. So they just, watched, just they watched film and then they sent him from the other side and boom, got my, I was concussed in the Orange Bowl. And Betty was probably like, like the, the dude who looks like he's 30, just full of muscle, just yeah. looks like a rock. He was, he was that dude. Dude, we had one of those in my high school too. He was too. that dude, like pork chops for yeah, kids just, breakfast, lunch. Kids, the kid's like 16 going on 30. You're just like, yeah, wow. yeah, like, like he just, like he fresh out. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That dude. Yeah, that, that dude. So like, and I had concussions before that. So after that, it was kind of like, yeah, I think I'm done with this game, man. I think I got my anger management issues under control. <laughs> but it's probably not worth it, like brain damage. Nah. And it's already happening before you're going to go to college. It's like, yeah, oh, shit, man. Yeah, And it's just, and it's, it's a weird feeling when you can't remember stuff. Like you don't even, like something that significant happens to you, but you don't even remember pain, the pain. That's, that's weird. Yeah, that's scary, dude. That's really scary. That's scary. So I, I've only blacked out like off alcohol a few times, but it was scary waking up and having someone be like, "Yeah, you did that and did this." I'm no, like, I got I got into fist fights before. I've been knocked out before in a fist fight too. So oh, it was damn. just like, yeah, and that was in high school too. So it's just like, <sighs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like, woo. That's wild. Yeah. So I was like, I probably need to do something else with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> so you decided to um. Went to college. I was just kind of on campus. I was kind of just took the Miami mentality with me. Partying? Not even partying, just like Miami street shit. And I'm not even like a Miami street dude. Bro, like, when I think of Miami street shit, I think of just like slinging cocaine. Nah, nah. But um, I never did that. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. Never did. About. Never did that. Allegedly. Um, but myself and a couple other friends were very enterprising with our, our, um, financial aid. Ah, okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to just read between the lines on that one. (laughs) Um, but when I was in college, um, decided I ended up going into the design program because a friend of mine had a girlfriend who was in the program. Mm. And he saw I would always draw. I just draw sneakers and all sorts of stuff like that, cartoons and stuff. And he's like, you always drawing. He's like, you should go sit in one of my girlfriend's classes and, and check it out. It's like, it's like fashion design and stuff like that. So I sat in on one of the classes one day. It was funny because 
I, I go in there. Actually, no, that wasn't. Was that the day that I sat in the class? No, I think that was the first day of class. Anyway, I sat in one of the classes, and I I was intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked, like, you know, like what you had to do to get into the program or whatever. Um, and they were like, well, in order to take these classes, you have to declare it as a major. So I ended up declaring it as a major just so I could take a class or two. But I just ended up staying in the program. I remember the first day I went to class um, for introduction to pattern making, which is kind of like how you do, it's basically f- flats of, you're just, you're, you're designing the pattern that'll help you get the fit of the garment that you're going to cut. Yeah, you're so, talking about that kind of translucent paper. So sometimes it's translucent. Sometimes it's like numbered. But it's anyway, like you're working like, on paper, though. Yeah, I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. So you can get, you know, you, you're going to draw out the fit of the sleeve, the fit of the bodice. You measure the, it. Yeah, all, all that stuff. So I remember walking into that class. I had on like a fitted cap backwards. I had a wife beard on. I had camo shorts. That's a great visualization. I had on red and silver um, Nike Air Max. And I had on like a big ass gold chain. Wow. <laughs> and I remember this walking. This guy. I rem- and I had on, I had on what I think were r- real Versace shades. I don't know. I ordered them <laughs> online. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I walk in, and the instructor is like, um, "Are you lost?" I was like, "Is this introduction to uh, pattern making?" She was like, "Yes." I was like, "No, I'm in the right place." <laughs> Even she was like, what y'all doing? <laughs> but wow. it was cool. It was cool because I was like, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. But by the end of that semester, like people were coming to me for like advice on how to sew things. Cause for whatever reason, I was a natural at that shit. I was like crushing it on the machines. Oh, you just kind of like took to it. Yeah. And I would we would have these situations where we had to design things and then submit them like within uh like a two-week time frame or something like that like you design it you submit your design Mm -hmm. teacher approves it then you have to do the pattern cut and sew it and i would always turn in something different than what i originally submitted because i wasn't happy with what i first designed Mm -hmm. and um i know a lot of people thought i was having people sew my stuff for me because they were like, you were working on one thing in class, but then you turned in something completely different. You're just working extra. I just, I, I just got, I was like, oh, I'm not interested in designing that anymore. So I would just pull an all-nighter and then bring in something dope to class the next day. And then, you know, haters going to hate. Yeah, passion towards something will make you do a lot of stuff. It seems like you're just kind of enthralled in this thing that you found is yeah. just, just, just going for it in a way. And I'm, I'm in class with people who've like been doing this for for years before they were in college and so for me i feel like i'm playing catch up i'm like oh let me try this let me try this let me try this so i'm trying all this stuff in this condensed amount of time and i'm like using the money that i made off the flip to buy like sewing machines Mm. you know what i mean like who does that (laughs) a hustler that's who does it but it's there's something to be said about inquisitiveness or wanting to learn something that just speeds up the entire process Mm. Especially in something like that where you have all the utilities, you have all the resources, you have the knowledge. And if you're actually a part of it, not just there because, oh, I'm in design class, I just got to get this A, it becomes yeah. a whole different beast. Yeah, for me, it wasn't even about the grades. It was just like, how can I learn as much as I can? And it wasn't even about, because um, the program that I was in was more focused on 
how do you bring a design to market? So it was more like the back end of it. It wasn't even it's probably the most important part. Yeah. So it was more it was more business related than it was. It, it was like supply chain, supply chain management, production, project management, that sort of thing, as opposed to like, oh, create the prettiest, most beautiful thing you can design. It's like, nah, how are you gonna bring that to market? Like, how are you mm. what's the cost? What's the price point? What market are you trying to enter with that? How are you gonna how are you going to market? Yeah, those are good are, questions that I wish you know they I mean? would teach people in art school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they should they should teach a lot of things in school that they don't. That'd be just a great high school course. How like, to bring your idea and make it and turn it into market? That'd be. A I mean, why why don't they? Sorry, to get off topic, but like, why don't they teach kids in high school like how to do your taxes? That's a big fact. You know what I'm or saying? First pay form or something, but like they don't teach they don't teach you that shit because they're trying to get they're they're trying to get funding off of how well a kid does on a fucking standardized test. Or they're trying to protect their own asses by that. Right. By the so who, who's test. learning that way? Who's learning that way? That's crazy to me. That's you know what part. I'm saying? And then the whole thing that frustrates me about standardized testing and just one way to learn is that people learn different ways mm, yeah 100 you know what i'm saying some people some people know how to do things just off of in theory in theory this should work this way and now other people need to actually practice it and do it to understand it i'm more of a i need to practice it i need to actually do it to get it you it's, just can't give me some instructions and like i don't read instruction booklets you know what well, i'm saying it's, it's it's weird when it's like when it's not or even, even in math where it's you have to come to this solution or figure this yeah. out and you figure it out. But if you don't figure out how they want you to figure it out, then you're wrong. Yeah. Like when they say show your work in math. If, if, you don't sh if your work wasn't the formula that, that they want you to get there, wrong. That's but you got wild. the right answer, but you're still wrong. In, yeah. in math, it's you're 100% wrong or you're 100% right. Mm -hmm. But that's not life. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's a dangerous thing that applies to a lot of just standardized testing in school. Yeah, but you know what, you know what is life like? For instance, I don't know, do they even still teach home economics and stuff like that in high school? I'd be surprised if it was as prevalent as it was before. Yeah, but home, home economics should be this. Like, I know home economics, I think, when I was in high school, they were teaching you, like, how to cook, how to use an ironing board, stuff like that. How about these are the steps towards home ownership? This mm. is the difference between being a renter and a buyer. This is the difference between living, I don't know, in a rural community or in the city. Like, those sort of things that you're gonna have to make life decisions about when you're on your own. How you do taxes, that sort of thing. Like, I don't, maybe they're teaching that now, but they were not, where I went to school, they weren't teaching that, man. It was yeah. just like, I really don't surviving know the day, getting the lunch. <laughs> like, well, I mean, that's what it felt like as a kid, right? You're just like, oh, get yeah, the fuck out of here. Because they weren't, because I, I don't know, for me, when I was in high school, I was like, y'all not teaching me anything that's gonna be tangible in terms of like me having a making a life for myself i think a lot of kids feel that way and i think a lot of kids feel that way now even with social media like i think a lot of kids have come to that realization that what am i doing here i think the whole educational system has to get blown up well college is is is, is i think it's a racket now Co college is 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 just being exposed left and right for just being a complete business yeah. racket yeah that's and crazy think, how long do you think before the numbers go back to how they were like 
I don't I don't know the exact figures, but I think it's a generational like, thing. But like in the in the '60s, there were there were more people that weren't in college versus like were. Well, I guess it's still that well, way they had now. Trades. But that was the thing. Pe- people yeah. had trades, and trades were taught in school, yeah. and, and not not what everything stripped away, just math, science, and everything. Trades were taught where it's okay if you don't go to college because you can become an electrician, make a great money, have a great life. But there's plumbers out there that are just living high on the hog, bro. Yeah. Like, they could start their own plumber, even work for someone, and just be having, uh, being happy. They're, they're happy. They can do whatever they want. Yo, there's, I don't know, I saw something on like 2020 or 60 Minutes about like women in construction. That's a little wild to me. Nah, but they killing it. Killing it. Women in construction are killing it right I now. only say that because physically women aren't the same as men. It, I don't know. It, de- it depends, right? Especially now with, like, the advancements in technology and how to, how, and with building and construction, like, you don't have to be, like, extra strong. You know what I'm saying? I guess. I mean, I can't say I've ever worked construction day in my life, but... Construction just feels like one of those things where you got to carry a bunch of two by fours or wheel something around, and a dude is just no. Nah, but if you if you if you in, if you in charge, if you the foreman, you just calling shots. Well, that's different. That's more heady. That's less physical. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still in construction. That is. So, but damn, we got way way. Women in construction, yeah. You, I just got ten. <laughs> that's, down, I just got that's 10, how my that's how my mind works. I just got though. ten downvotes on YouTube for that comment, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate. That's that. how my mind works, man. I go, I get on one thing and then I end up on another, and I, I tell my business partner Kevin all the time, like, "Yo, remember that?" Because I already forgot it. Well, no, it's it's important because this this <laughs> this all goes back. This all goes back to you. When I asked you, like, Chris, how did you get into bag making? And yeah. I never knew you went to fashion design school or you took fashion design classes or yeah. you were hustling it back then, which is complete wild to me. But it, it makes sense because, you know, even in the notes that I took of this interview, you know, of course, I always research and look up someone for every interview. The difference is, like, you actually make pieces. And mm-hmm. there's a difference between someone who starts a clothing line and they just print on shirts and someone who's actually coming out with items and pieces and cut and sew and does the details like you know i wish and stuff i i wish i could find satisfaction in doing it the way that you like the way that i'm not doing it but for me it doesn't satisfy me to do that i could probably make a quicker buck that way probably but it's something about the work like you just, you know what I mean? Like I get sad. I get there's something about the satisfaction of having an idea that's in my mind, you know, and then figuring out how to get it out of my mind and bring it into the physical world, mm. and seeing how other people react to it or how other people appreciate it's it. It's a great feeling. Or, or or seeing how does it come out. Not as good as I thought it would. Does it come out as good or does it come out better? Like, it's, for me, I think it's one of those cliche things to say, but it's the, it's the journey, man. It's the process of it all that I, I appreciate. Whatever comes at the end of that, that's cool. You know what I mean? But I feel like if, I feel like only good things can come if you appreciate the journey and the process. I don't think I was there that 10 years ago. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I wanted like, why, I'm, why am I not here yet? Why am I not making this sort of money yet? 
And then I just kind of put that aside and was like, you know what? This is cool. Those things will come if I continue to do the work. And I just appreciate the work. And then when I, when I see people like sharing or posting or I just run into people that are wearing or carrying my stuff, like you can't put a price point on that. And how it you know feels. what I'm saying? Yeah, because that person, especially when they don't know me, that's crazy. You thought enough about this product. You don't even know me. You thought enough about this product to spend your hard-earned money on it. Dude, that's, that's a wild feeling that not people have experienced but should is when you take something from your head, you make it a tangible thing, and a complete stranger is, 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 is rocking with it, whether it's like someone who's complete ram to me says, yo, I love your podcast. I'm like, what the fuck? That's love. Or, or someone you see wearing your Asian shirt, you must be like, what? That's, it's it's that's, a crazy it feeling. Is, it's a crazy it is. Feeling. It is. And, and it's like, it's a lot of emotions in the process, man. Like I said, I'm a crier, so shit like that will make me cry. Oh, man, yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? Like, I had to kind of step away. Nah, it's a, you know, depending on... Depending on like the situation, you know what I mean. Or, it's cool that you open about crying though. I, th- I think a lot of dudes try to hold in. Crying feels good sometimes. This is sometimes you just I, gotta be you. I don't know. I, I just like to dial in more to my emotions now, and I don't really. I just give a lot less fucks about what other people think when it comes to that. You know what I'm saying? So, how many times have you been called gay for being like a male designer? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was. It was because. Um, I'm a male designer. I just think people assume I might be. I can gay. see that. You know what I'm saying? So I get like. <laughs> oh I don't shit! Know. I meant that. I meant that in like a way like I could see how someone could come to those conclusions. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. I like. I here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Here's here's the thing. I think whenever, whenever I think whenever you are have interests in fashion to the level at which I have interest in it and the way that I have interest in it and how I try new and different things, people are going to assume. Like, I remember watching one of, the, one of the podcasts and I forget who you were talking to, but you were like, man, I come down the elevator with my girl and then there's one dude and he's just like got this shit on and it's like, there's no way me as a straight dude could get away with that. But since he's gay, it's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's some shit. You know what I'm saying? But um, but I was like, fuck that, man. You should try that shit. If you feeling like you want to wear something, wear it. You know what I mean? Like, especially in this day and age, I think, I think it's, I'm not going to, I guess it's more accepted to be who you are. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm 100%. Because fa- fashion is, is one of those things that it's considered, if you're into fashion, then you must think like a female and you must be feminine. If you're a feminine dude, then you must be gay. Like that's like the train of yeah. thought. And like, I ask you that question so bluntly because I can't tell you how many times in my life people have asked me if I was gay. Like, like yeah. it's happened so many goddamn times in my life where I, I just have fun with it at this point, but. It don't even, I, I guess the first few times it happened to me, it bothered me. It doesn't even bother me anymore because I kind of take it as a compliment now. You know what I mean? Like, shit, I must be fly as shit. (laughs) Or or, or my gym game paying off. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. But the funny thing is, like, where where I'm from back home and where I grew up, like, that's another thing about D.C. is it's opened me up to more, not only more creativity, but 
having more close friends of different ways or different walks of life. Because, mm. like, where I'm from, neighborhood where I'm from, you can have gay friends. If you had a gay friend, they thought you were gay. Really? In Florida? Or yeah. But I'm not talking about Miami Beach. I'm talking about Miami. Uh, it's different. Okay, I don't know. It's different. It's different. It's a different vibe. And, and here in D.C., some, some of my closest friends are, are gay. And, it's, and they're not my friends because they're gay. They just happen to be gay. Like, it's yeah. not... A, and, and, you know, I, I guess there was a time, like, I, I felt like I couldn't have... I couldn't have that. Think, think of, like... Because you're scared of being judged or yeah, having but, feelings towards them or something's happening okay, or something so, like Okay, so, so think about that. So think about how many... How many things you miss out on because you don't want to be associated with this person because of that? Let's take 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 sexuality out of it. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. It could be race. It could be age. Like I don't want to go here with this old ass motherfucker. <laughs> like yeah, it, I don't want. I don't want people gonna think about me. Like fuck that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like be cool with who you find interesting and who you can learn from or who you can exchange culture with and ideas with. People need to be more open to that. You know what I'm saying? That's, like, that's a very restrictive thought when, when, when the society around you puts a pressure on you that you can't associate with this person. And I think you're around the wrong people at that point, yeah, right? And, and that's so dangerous because yeah. if you don't travel like we're talking about, if you don't have these perspectives to see that it's not like that across the world, then yep. you know it, it's gonna be a shock if you ever go somewhere else. It's, it's wild, man. And I, I think, I think that's one of the that's the weird thing, right? We we talk about um, America is this this melting pot, but is it is it really, or is it this kettle with just a bunch of like? Divergent ideas I don't even know If I use that word right But if I did Sounds good But In this This kettle That's about to explode Because There People being judged For for this and for that And And their way of life Has no negative impact On your way of life Whatsoever So Why do you have a problem with that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a really interesting one, especially since we're like, on the topic of gay people. Like, I've got friends across the spectrum of religious, political, everything. And I've got a friend who's a staunch Catholic, and he does not believe in, like, gays and gay marriage. And so when we talk about it, I'm, my question to him all the time is just, like, like, and he's a cool dude, but just that's just one of his viewpoints. That's one of the things that he's stuck on. Yeah, he's stuck yeah, on it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, just like what you said, I'm like, why does it bother you? Like, why does it? matter it doesn't ruin your day it doesn't Mm -hmm. affect you in any way so why do you care and he's just like my catholic faith man yeah okay but so so we'll we'll pass we'll have huge political debates and we'll pass laws limiting the rights of those people but we can't come to the table and figure out Figure out this this gun this gun violence situation where people are getting like mass shootings on the regular. What's your you opinion on guns? I think constitutionally we have the right to bear arms, but also the Constitution is a living, breathing thing that evolves. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to take it. When that was written for that specific period of time, 
what was going on when they came up with that concept and when they came up with that that idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, it was like to take up arms and have militias just in case, you know, you had to fight against yeah, the, the your time, government. The, or, the times were different when that okay. was written. And it's yeah. it's weird that, that how much, the document doesn't change and evolve over time. Yeah, how much how much arms can we take up now if our military wanted to go ham on us? I mean, we, we, we just don't have the technology against the military. That's a problem. That's what I'm saying. It's, just, it's outdated. I mean... And I feel like people should have the right to own guns, but, yo, it's easier, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a driver's license, dude. That's a fact right there. I went, I went to the gun range the other day with a bunch of Ukrainians yeah. who've never shot guns before. Or at least legally shot That's wild, before. right? And they were so blown away by how easy it was for us to just get a gun and shoot it. And we were shooting assault rifles, too. The, you know, you can't... Automatic weapons are banned mm-hmm. across the board. But, like, that was my first time shooting a semi-automatic rifle. And that shit was wild. It was Damn. so wild. But I can imagine what they were thinking, because I've shot in plenty of guns, but yeah. like, they were just so blown away by that. But there's also, there's also so many other countries around the world where... Gun ownership is a right, but they don't have these issues that we have. So it's like, what's what's the difference? Like, what are they doing right and what are we doing wrong? You know? Yeah, the gun debate one is one that could go on forever. You know, it's something that no matter how you feel about it, it's just, I don't know if you're ever going to solve it. The only thing that I think is just, I think mental health should be one of those background checks. If you, if you want to own a gun. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things, there's a number of things that can be done, but private sales, like, for something like that. Dude, so that's actually how I got my gun, and it was a gift. And to do a private sale of a gun, you literally just have to write on a piece of paper, this is a gift. That's what I'm saying. And you, just, and you can just give it to someone, at least in Virginia. At least in Virginia. Yeah. Isn't that wild? wild? It was wild. Like, I was like, wait, is this real? I was like, yeah, that's, that's the laws. And you're over 18? Yep, okay, well, then you're fine. It's no longer their, it's no longer their problem anymore. I don't think you can give a car as a gift like that. Yeah, you can. You just write it on a paper and be like, this is a gift. Well, I mean, legally, no, but... I mean, the problem isn't guns. It's, it's, it's just the, peop- the, the bad people who have access to guns doing bad things. Yeah. You know, I think a mentally person is going to do something crazy regardless of whether they have a, a, a handgun or not, but a handgun definitely enables them to kill more people. I just think, I just think there's multiple levels of things that can be done that we just decide not to do. Facts. So. So, Chris. Yeah. Tell me about what you're doing for H3 this year. Oh, man. Yeah, we... We're doing a lot this year. I'm actually putting together a series of events um, leading up to, to the big weekend, the big festival called A Street Week. Mm-hmm. Um, just celebrate the neighborhood and give people something, people that live there or people that appreciate that area, something to do other than just that one, that one day. And I'm doing a series of pop-ups um, I'm also involved with uh, the Grants Ed Foundation, uh, and that's the thing that we're doing to kick off the week. They do Taste of H Street. So basically what this foundation does is they fundraise, and they get money to put directly into the hands of teachers in D.C. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they can purchase supplies for their classroom, 
Um, and it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they you can use the money for for uh, to cover field trips, all those different things that um, teachers have been coming out of their own pocket to yeah. pay for. And teachers already don't get paid that much. So can you imagine? I they have all the stats on their website about how much money teachers come out of pocket in order to. Dude, I don't want to get too off topic of the history thing, but yeah. I've learned a little bit about that from a teacher. Yeah. And if they even want to get more glue for their class, it's crazy, right? They have to sit right on a piece of paper that they need 10 sticks of glue, then they have to submit it, then they, then, then they have to wait for that to clear, and yeah. then the person who controls wow, that closet man. gives them the glue. And so what happens is the teacher will get fed up because they need the goddamn glue and they'll yeah. go buy it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. The, so the, 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 the Company, grant, yeah. the grant helps Grant them. Ed, um, we... And how are you helping them? So what we did last year, what I, I believe was our first time working with them. We donated... Oh, that's cool. We donated merchandise from our A Street capsule collection from 2018 so they could auction it off. Um, they auctioned off a bunch of stuff from local businesses and, and things like that uh, to raise money for, for the cause. Uh, I wanted to do something more this year. Uh, I have a platform. It's not a huge platform, but it's definitely grown, and I feel like I can do more this year than I did last. Definitely. So partnered um, with Jess and my friends over at 8th Street Country Club, so we're going to have a Jenga tournament. Oh, I love that spot. Yeah. So that's actually on the chriscardi.com website on the blog, Fresh Digest. You can find out more and register there. But we're going to have a 16-seed Jenga tournament. What? Yes. And is this, is, this is giant Jenga, right? This isn't tiny Jenga. We go, so the first round is going to be tiny Jenga. Oh, okay. The first couple rounds is going to be tiny Jenga, and then we graduate to the big blocks for, for the uh, final rounds. <laughs> yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, think of it kind of like a March Madness type bracket. But we're also going to have Chris Cardi merchandise there. So registration to compete is... Twenty-five dollars. That's not that bad. All of that money. We're trying. The goal is to raise at least four hundred dollars between now and that day. We're donating all the registration fees. All that money is being donated straight to Grant Ed Foundation. Nice. Um, so if we get sixteen people to register, I, we already had some people. We we put the word out today. I already had some people register. Some people from back home in Miami just donated money already. That's so that's sweet. cool. Like. My mom hit me. I didn't even get a chance to reach out to her, but she, I guess she saw it on Facebook or whatever, and she texted me. It's like, I just dropped 50 bucks on it. I love you. I'm so oh, proud of you. that's cute. I almost cried when I saw that. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's cool, and we're going to have merchandise there. We're going to do a pop-up there as well. Ooh. Uh, Is that where this sweet merch We'll have that there. We'll have this T-shirt there. We're going to be donating. Um, Sorry about the sexy Puerto Rican guy yeah. does not come with it. Sorry, guys. But. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be donating uh, 10% of the sales from the merchandise also. Oh, nice. Um, and then we're going to have, we're gonna have like campaign buttons that have these graphics on it as well. And actually... Um, Fifty percent of the purchase of those will go towards. And are, Grant are you doing well. that for only that one night, or is it for no, all no, no, no. pop ups? That's going to be throughout the week of our pop ups. We're donating ten wow. percent of our sales to Grant. Ed. I mean, Grant Ed and and Taste of H. Um, 
it's just a great it's a great thing for the city. It's a great thing for the neighborhood, and for it's my way of being able to give back to a community that has given me so much. So like. It's no sweat off my back to do something like that. I mean, it's cool because it you know? gives people a way to get involved and to have fun and to activate a street. And it's you, you do Pride so many of, cool things yeah. with, with one stone. Pride of community, opportunity to give back and have a good time. Sunday fun day. Yeah. You know, they got the TVs in there. They got uh, so if, if you don't want to miss out on your sports action, that's there. They got ski ball. They have the basketball hoops. They have a great um, rooftop patio. So it's going to be great. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah, and for sure, in the YouTube video, I'll definitely link to all of definitely. this. And of course, anyone listening, they could probably just like go to your Instagram and get all this information, right? Yes. Where would that be? Yes, at Chris underscore Cardi. So C-H-R-I-S underscore C-A-R-D as in dog, I. That, that's like the designer page. That's not your personal one. No, that's the designer page. You want to keep your personal and personal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to get it confused. Cool. I'll just link the Chris Cardi one. Yeah. And then Wednesday. So that that's going to happen on Sunday, September 15th. On Wednesday, September 18th, uh, I'm working with Rohan Paints, and we're doing this exhibit for his like political figure caricature portraits called Politics Unusual. I've seen his work. I just think it's amazing. I think other people should see his work. Being that H Street is Hill East and we're so close to the Capitol where all these decisions get made and we're in this kind of campaign season frenzy now. It's a politically charged town. I just think it'd be something amazing and I think it's art that's thought-provoking. You look at it and one, you, you think about what was in Rob's head when he painted it. You also think about, it also makes you look at that politician in a different light or that, that's, um, that political figure or that social activist or whatever the case may be in a different light. Yeah, dude, 100%. Um, I mean, I was, I was talking to him the podcast before this one, yeah. and we had a super deep conversation. It was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. He's a super cool dude. He's sitting behind me, but I'm talking about him like he's not here. It's <laughs> kind of funny. I don't know why we're acting like he's not here. But I mean, like, it just makes more sense. Yeah, right? But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I, I think if you listen to that interview, for anyone listening, you'll kind of, you'll get an idea of how he thinks and how that translates into this exhibition that he's yeah. going to be, that he's going to yeah. be displaying. And that's on, that's on September 15th, right? No. Um, the that's, oh, that's, Sunday Funday Jenga Jam at A Street Country Club is September 15th. Ah. But the politics unusual is at Hill Prince, and that's also on H Street. Um, and that is September 18th. Nice. Wednesday, September 18th. Tony and our friends over at Hill Prince are giving us the space. They've, um, they've done exhibits there before. So... It's, it's, an, it's an amazing venue for something like this. And then the cool thing is my boy Bruce, the Bruce Allen. Yeah, that's me. Of the What's the Angle podcast. Will, whoa, 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 That's the angle. Podcast. That's the angle. My bad. The thing you've been that's talking the, on for the last hour and a half. Shit. That's the angle podcast. We'll be, host, we'll be hosting. Yes, I so will So I appreciate be. that. That's I, a I solid, got, my G. Of course, man. I love to get involved. Um, it sounds fun. I mean, I, I, I've told you this in the past. I, you do such an amazing job, I think. I think you're just as good as an interviewer as you are a photographer. Thank and I you. mean that as a, as a compliment. 
I watch your podcast. I was almost shook to come on because I just, you know. It was I, hard to get you on here. It's been I, a long time coming. I respect, because I, I, I respect it as a fan, you know what I mean? Mm. And I, I'm pretty sure I told you that before. So, and I also, like I said, I want to come on here when I have something to talk about. That's usually probably the best time to go on any podcast when trying to yeah. promote something. Yeah. And um, so that'll be going on sep- uh, September 18th. And then Friday, September 20th, we'll be back at Hill Prince again for the H Street Eve pop-up party. And that's the day before the Giant Festival. That's the day before the Giant Festival. So Tony and our friends at Hill Prince are inviting us back to set up shop there. So we'll have merch there. There'll be some exclusives that weren't at the previous pop-ups that week. Exclusive, exclusive. Oh, yeah. And Are um, are you going to be there for H Street or are you going to be back at Smith? We'll be we'll be at Smith Commons on Saturday, September twenty first for the actual festival. Ah, okay. Yeah. And last thing before we wrap up here, it's really interesting that at last year's H Street Festival, I went and met up with you. You were the only one selling merch that said H Street on it. It kind of blew my mind that no one else was like thinking about that. And and that's the thing. And 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 the thing is about me. This isn't my capsule collection. Isn't about the festival, but the smartest time to drop it would be around the festival. Duh. You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is more a celebration of that, of that community, of that area, of the neighborhoods that surround that H Street corridor, of Kingman Park, of Trinidad, of Carver Langston, of um, Hill East, of Capitol Hill, of Noma. Like, it's it's a meeting point for all these people from all these different neighborhoods to to mingle to to take in music to take in art to 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 break bread and I I, I mean that's how I made my first friends in D.C. on A Street. You know what I'm saying? I had Where'd some you? of the most amazing times in my life on on A Street, and it's it's a place that I want to celebrate. In a, in a way um, that that people can appreciate, and that's why I take these kind of iconic graphics and flip them and give them an H Street feel. Yeah, last last year you had the MTV one, you got the GI yeah. Joe one, and then I got the the New York one. It's yeah, cool. it's oh, cool. and and the oh man, the um, the Hershey inspired Chocolate City one is dude, going that, to that, be. Dude, I want that one so bad. So we're doing that. We're doing stickers Bro, as I, well. I, I just want to be the. The, the white dude wearing the chocolate city see, the chocolate city tea because I think it'd just be hilarious. But see, that's 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 the thing. I don't I don't have a problem with that. I think that's dope. I I feel like I feel like white people buying that shirt and wearing that shirt hopefully understand what it means. You know what I mean? And they understand like what DC is, what DC still is, what DC was and 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 not try to change the culture, but appreciate the culture mm-hmm. and immerse themselves in it, much like I did coming from Miami. Right. Like, I came here because I already loved the culture that existed. I came here because I had an appreciation for it as a kid. So that's, that's where I'm at with it. And, and that's kind of what 
this capsule collection does. It celebrates the neighborhood and it brings people together, new and old. It gives them something to rally around. It gives, you know, if you're wearing an A Street t-shirt and then you go into a bar and you see somebody else wearing an A Street t-shirt, it's kind of like two dudes with handlebar mustaches. You're going to be like, yo, what Big up? Facts. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to bump chest with someone else with an H t-shirt on. And it's, and it's, and it's love, man. And, um, well, Chris, dude, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop it here. But oh, it's cool, man. It's been fucking real. My man. All right, guys. That's it. That's the angle. Peace. Right on. It's fucking real, man. Was I long-winded, bro? I hope no, not. No, no, no. I just want to wrap you up because I know you were getting a little... Hey, hey, hey.